Welcome to episode number 228 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping passion-led online business owners and entrepreneurs learn how to use social media as a tool to grow your business. I'm your host, Andrea Jones, and I'm fiercely committed to helping you understand both the how and the why of social media marketing so that you can create connection, build community, and make your difference in the world. Our podcasts are brought to you by Sendable, which is a social media management and analytics tool that my agency uses every day to post our clients' content, analyze the results, and more. Try them out for yourself for free by going to onlinedrea.com slash Sendable. And I'll put that link and all of the links we talk about today in the show notes, onlinedrea.com slash 228. Today, I have the amazing Stephanie Claremont on the show. Stephanie is a retired registered dietitian, entrepreneur, founder, and lead facilitator at The Leveraged Practice. She's been delivering in-person and online education since 2012 to health professionals and health clients and has been part of a national conferences television shows, online symposiums, et cetera, et cetera. She's created 20 online programs, leveraged and launched them over a hundred times. All she knows her stuff. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you everyone for listening. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on because you are one of my favorite internet connections. There's just certain people where um, I feel like I always go to their stories or I always watch their content and like we DM and, you know, it feels like I know you very well through the power of the internet. So I'm excited to talk about how you show up for yourself. But I want to start at the beginning because you started in 2012. This was back when it was really just Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. Um, but, you know, talk to me about the beginnings of your business and it's especially the beginnings of marketing your business. Yeah. So I became a dietitian in 2009 and very quickly became an entrepreneur in 2011 with under two years. I just knew I needed to make up my own stuff. Like I wanted a job that I loved. I couldn't find one. I wanted to make more than people were willing to give me. And so here I came. And so in the beginning, I'm trying to think of the first thing I did, Andrea, was the blog. Like that was the first content. And that was like 2011, 2012. I started my blog and it was, it was like once a month in the beginning. (laughs) It's not often. And then we layered on, it must have been 2013 that we layered on social media. And there was Twitter for sure. Facebook meaning like a Facebook business page, I imagine. And then there was Pinterest. And I don't know when Pinterest started, but I know that we had three. And all we were doing was, and I say we because very early on, I couldn't, and I, you're an expert at this. Well, you have an agency, so there's the answer, but I could not do all my social content. And this was like 2012, 2013. It was early, right? But I couldn't share all my stuff. I couldn't write my blog posts. I couldn't um, share on social and run my practice and see all my clients and all my patients. And then I also was doing you know, everything I could to grow. And I was doing trade shows and all TV and all the things. And so very early on, I say us because I started working with volunteers. I hired dietetic undergraduate students as volunteers. They worked with me for a year and they were the ones who would, you know, draft the posts. I would edit and and rewrite them. They would draft the blog, uh, the social content, which basically promoted the posts. So that's what we did. That's all we did old school. And I guess maybe 2013 was all of our stuff just promoted the main content that was on our website. And that's what I did for several years. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that. And, you know, a lot of what I teach is that today is still exactly that, like have a main piece of content, use social media to drive traffic to that or remix it over to social. So I love that you started that as well. And you got support. I think that there's this idea sometimes that we have to do everything ourselves and we have to figure it out ourselves as business owners. And there's so much value in hiring staff and getting coaching and getting support. And it sounds like you did that very early on. Where do you think that that came from? I I believe I was very ambitious. And I, I always say this, that I'm, I think I'm a, like a little bit crazy. Like I think some entrepreneurs, maybe all of us, I don't know, but have like a little bit of like a crazy, like I can do anything. And I just had these big goals of like writing a book and having a TV show and like just being a big impactor. And so maybe when I, so I did start in 2011, uh, I started my practice then. I started doing some blogging. So then it was like 2012. And then I kind of partnered with another agency to try to make that work. And then I went out on my own, I don't know, late 2012, early 2013. I can't remember. I think late 2012. And then that's when I started to hire. But I actually had some volunteers because I, I was a dietitian. It's normal in the field of dietetics and health to have students kind of write you and say, hey, can I volunteer? Can I help? Can I learn? And so I had people writing me and I gave them little jobs. And what I found was the little job, they would do a couple of things. They'd be like, thank you, bye. And they just started to get to know my company and they just started to get good. Otherwise, it was a lot of work for me to have volunteers. It wasn't, I don't want to be rude, but it wasn't worth it to like pour. I just didn't have the capacity, I guess, to pour into them and then they would leave. And so that's when I invented like a year-long mentorship program. So they, I spent three to four months mentoring them. I continued to mentor them, but they they were valuable at that point and could create really good content. So I think it was probably like the big dreams that I had and the ambition and the craziness of like, I need to do all of this stuff so I can get out there. And then I also had the students kind of asking me and saying, do you have room for this? So that's, that's what went that way. But Andrea, in 2012, 2013, did we have Canva? I don't know, but it was not popular and I hired graphic designers. So if I wanted a banner on my website or like my first opt-in, I remember waiting like a month for my to create my opt-in and like send like the five tips and I sent it to my graphic designer and they charged me like $20 an hour and then they made the graphic for my homepage with the sign up bar. You know, yep. it's like so old school. And I was like, now I'm going to be a millionaire. Like I have an opt-in. It was so exciting. It was all so exciting. Um, so that, you know, I did, I did a lot of hiring in the beginning. So it's interesting for me to be oh, what I think is OG, like 2011, 2012 being online. And 2013 is when I launched my first online program. So when you hear me hear Andrea say oh, like 20 plus now, because it's been 10 years. So I'm, I'm creating stuff and making new ones. But back then it was a, a lot of, you like had to hire people. You you had to hire someone for a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And so I think that's one of the things right now in business ownership is that I don't want to say it's so easy, but there are more tools at your fingertips to broadcast out on social media, to create images on Canva, to create content like reels. Even one of my clients is launching a podcast and she like, I don't even know. I'm like, I feel like an old lady when I talk about this. She used some kind of tool. I don't know, old lady. She used, I have a podcast manager, but she used some kind of tool to like do the thing. It doesn't cost anything or it costs her a little bit of money. And so it's for me, I wonder what you think, but 
I sometimes think that that can really challenge people because they think they have to do it on their own and they feel guilty if they hire someone or they invest in anything because they're like, I should just figure it out. I should just do it on my own. I should just be on Canva till midnight. And I didn't have that. And I didn't believe that. But there are some beliefs that I think are happening with new and young entrepreneurs that are really hurtful and harmful to them to be taking all that on. Can I think that's so interesting because I actually I really love Canva like you and it like it, it definitely has opened the doors for anyone and everyone to be able to design things for, you know, PDFs for a lead magnet or even have websites now, full websites you could design on Canva. And I really like what you're saying about how these tools do make us feel guilty as business owners. You know, we feel like we should be able to just whip up a PDF in Canva. And it does still take a lot of time. And there's a huge value in outsourcing this and getting support and, um, you know, really focusing on the things where you shine instead of, like you said, fiddling around with Canva until midnight. Um, I love, I'm actually going to play around with that idea a little bit more because I really, really like that thought process. And I think it's something that we need to talk more about as business owners. Yeah. I used, um, I, I don't know if you use this, but Upwork is, it's now called Upwork and Fiverr, I think is a little more popular now, but before all of that, it was called Elance or something mm-hmm. like freelance O-desk. on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I would like be like, who can make me a podcast cover? Like who can make me a something? And now I have a team. So my team, we do use Canva. Like I'm still in Canva playing around with like something that sometimes you have to create it yourself. Like I did a new landing page yesterday and, um, I didn't want my marketing manager to do it because I was like, can I just look at it and and see what it feels like and add the content before you do anything with it? Because sometimes you do need to get physical with the art and so cool that you can do that or the creative and the videos and all the things. But whenever you can and as soon as you can, I think if you can get some help, it's just going to help you feel less stressed and it's going to get you further faster. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Um, now I know your business model is different today. Talk to me about like that evolution. Um, yeah. and how you let your audience know that you're no longer a dietitian, but you're actually helping other practice owners build their practice. Yes. So I retired last year, which means I basically didn't renew my license as an RD. So I was an RD for 12 years. And during my RD career, I did a lot of dietetic work. So I, in 2013, launched professional development programs. Or in 2012, I I ran in person around Canada, flew all over the place, which is expensive and is not a super profitable business. However, a lot of fun um, teaching other dietitians and nurses and other people how to teach cooking. So that's where I started. And then we had people in, um, for those of you Canadian listeners, but like none of it and I don't all over, none of it is the cold, but like all over the place asking for this workshop to come to them. And we couldn't afford it. It wasn't a, wasn't a great business model financially. And so that's when we put it online in 2013. And then I released another training and in 2014 created my second online program teaching on a, the FODMAP diet, which is for digestive health, which was the kind of dietitian I was. And then in 2014, I started dabbling with online courses for my digestive practice. So I really had two companies for a very long time, professional development 
And then, you know, the clinic, the digestive clinic where I help people with IBS and digestive issues. And in the same business, I had people driving three hours to see me. And then I started doing like telephone consults and I realized, what if I could do this over here? So that's why I got into the course world pretty early and created some content around that as a dietitian. And then I grew my IBS program into a membership. I had my first baby and I didn't want to go back to -to one-to-one work. I didn't want to do that appointment stuff of trading my time for $150 or $200 or whatever my rate was. I wanted more freedom. I wanted more flexibility in my workday. I wanted more time to myself. I wanted more like creative and visionary and, and creation time. And I still loved coaching, but I wanted to just do it in a different way. And I was always really driven by efficiency because I worked at a family health team and I worked in clinics and I always thought like, what? This is so inefficient. Like I would have clients no show and late cancel or come back month after month after month with no change. And I could only see them every month because that's what my schedule allowed. At one point, my schedule was so busy in the free healthcare system that I could only see people every six weeks. And I was like, this, this is, this is not going to help you. And so I was also kind of to change this. I got to make this better. And so my practice ended up being online. I completely went online in um, 2016, I believe, and just exclusively ran group programs for both professionals and healthcare uh, in the IBS world. But at the same time, because I'd been in the professional world, I did the FODMAP thing. I did the other thing. People started asking me in 2015 about business stuff, private practice stuff, growing a private practice. I was on national television. I had written a book. I had done all the things I wanted to do. And so they were like, what? How are you doing this? And in 2015, there wasn't as many entrepreneurial coaches and business coaching was a very young profession. And so I started I started helping people with their private practices. And what I found, Andrea, was those early years of 2015, 2016, 2017, at least half of my clients were coming to me and and building online programs. Like they wanted me to, that's what they wanted me to teach them. So in 2019, I exclusively rebranded the entire company to the leverage practice. So we really are like 10 years old, but I rebranded the whole thing to the leverage practice focusing specifically on um, group programming. And we have different models of that. It's not just like one course for everybody. It's basically teaching online in a variety of different ways, supporting people in a variety of different ways, just using the internet and technology and tools and um, rebranded the thing and then kind of relaunched everything and let go of a lot of the products. And then my group program in IBS ended up being bought out by a corporate wellness company. And so eventually I kind of shifted away from that, which would have been last year, which is why I let go of my RD license. So the leverage practice has been around for um. 1920, almost four years now. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I have a few follow-up questions because I love this concept of rebranding. And I think a lot of business owners right now are going through a bit of an evolution. I think the global pandemonium that just we just got out of, hopefully, is done. Yeah. Um, a lot of people had this reawakening to, you know, maybe go back to the things that they used to love or to try something new. And a question that comes up sometimes is, how do we tell our current audience that we're doing something new? So talk to me about your marketing during that shift. Like, how did you let people know I'm no longer practicing? If you're a professional, I can help you. But if you're not, then I maybe need to refer you to other professionals. Like, talk to me about that process. I have to think back because it was definitely a transition and it definitely took time. 
And I still once in a while get a Facebook DM that's like, hey, Steph, like, can you answer this question about FODMAPs? And I'm like, no, I have no idea. Like, I am not no longer up to date on anything. Do not ask me. But that reputation got so deep. Like I published a book on it. So it's like on shelves. And so the first thing we did was take services off of stephanieclaremont.com, which was my original like personal brand. So we left the blog up and people could still find articles. And we put a tab up for professionals so that they could, you know, come on over and learn more about our, our workshops and our trainings. I also had grown an email list for my previous company name, which was RD Workshops. And I had done several different workshops in three different areas. And so that email list got a whole, didn't get one email. I think the the thing about rebranding or refreshing or creating a new offer or going in a different direction is you have to create a whole campaign around it. Just like for me, when I had my second baby, I disappeared for three months and I didn't come back and say like, buy my stuff. I had to create a whole like four to six week cadence of bringing people back into my world. So we had to put together announcements and gosh, I'm trying to remember a a rebrand. Now at that time though, I had no social media for the RD workshop. So the previous company was purely like a live webinar that I sent out to email lists. I'm old school. So there's lots of email lists of health professionals. So I would just send out a free webinar or even a paid program to all these email lists and they would all just come to my website and buy my stuff. So we didn't really have social for that, but I had social for the digestive health area. And so we had to put together kind of announcements around that and close that down and and let the email list know and, and all of those things. But the refresh, like the rebrand I used the leads because not all of them, but some of them would want to continue on with me in professional development and business. And so we announced it to the list. We allowed people to unsubscribe. We allowed them to resubscribe if they wanted to continue to hear about us in that. And I also launched the brand with a podcast. So I worked from January to April behind the scenes. I did take a small group of people from my email list. I launched the first leverage practice workshop. I think I had eight clients in it just to my general list and then work behind the scenes to create the new website, to create the new podcast. And so when I launched, there was something there. I think I created an Instagram account. I think that was like the first, I was like, we need Instagram 2019. We need an Instagram account, a podcast and a website. Like those are the three things I needed. And so we did that. And then you know, then kind of the bigger brand building and announcement was kind of like, here's the podcast, here's what we do, here's the workshops. And I had tested the first product run right around then February, March, April kind of thing. Um, Yeah. Is that helpful? I I am thinking back to what we had to do, but I just want people to know that if you are challenged with this, it is a, a process. It will take time and you have to be thoughtful about the campaign that you're running Um, And I also think that it helps people when you know what you're doing. So for me, like I said, I launched a product, then I worked behind the scenes on the podcast. And I was clear when I was like, here's who we are and here's what we're doing and here's what we're focused on. Instead of like, I think I'm going to do this thing or I'm trying this new thing. And it's people are like, wait, what? (laughs) So yeah, that's what I want to highlight is like the intentionality behind what you did. I do think sometimes because of the fast pace of the online marketing world, because we can move quickly, you know, have yeah. an idea today, launch it tomorrow, doesn't mean we have to or we should. <laughs> um, and so like taking the time to plan it out, you know, I want to say this, I want to have this position, this message, I want to test 
with a small group of folks first. And and so I think there is a huge power in that. And I think that that's really what catapulted your success with this new brand is you took the time yeah. to really go deep with it and figure that out. I think you said you said um, January through March or May. It's January through about like April, I would say. Yeah, because the podcast April, yeah. launched in April of 2019. Perfect. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's a couple months, four months there that you're really working on it. Um, And so those of you who are listening, you're thinking about launching, give yourself enough time in that runway. It's super important. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about your marketing. I love what you're doing on social. So we'll dive in there. And then we'll also talk a little bit about what to do. Like, how do you decide what's free on social versus what's paid in your program? So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Interrupting cow. Moo. I'm interrupting this podcast episode because I know you're here hanging out with me and you're interested in taking the next step in your social media strategy. Maybe your social media has gotten a little stale. Maybe you're looking to revive it. Maybe you just want to tie all of those pieces together. Well, I've got a super sweet gift for you. It is a free course that's going to walk you through step-by-step how to build a social media strategy that you'll actually stick with. One that works for you and your business. One that won't make you feel like you're on this content creation hamster wheel. And it'll help you leap and jump into a social media strategy that is sustainable. So check it out. It's at onlinedrea.com slash free. And when you sign up, you'll get a super sweet bonus of uh, done for you captions, graphics, and more. Again, that's onlinedrea.com slash F-R-E-E. All right, back to the episode. All right, we are back. Steph, I want to talk about your current marketing because I see your reels. I like what you're doing. So talk to me about your content plan. Like, how do you plan to show up on social? I'm thinking of Instagram specifically, but let us know like the full strategy. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm honored and grateful that you like what we're doing because, I mean, it's so fast here. And earlier on, when I didn't have 4,000 children, like for those of you that are new to me, I have three kids. They are seven, four, and two. And one of them is running around right now screaming. So I apologize. She's fine. There's a nanny here. Like, I'm grateful for my family support. If you're like, how the hell does she do do it? I have support. My husband works from home. My nanny is here. We have a cleaner. Like I have support. So don't worry. I'm okay. But, (laughs) um, you know, I used to do everything. I used to be a workaholic. I used to work all the time and all weekend and all nights. And again, I think it comes back to that like ambition and drive to like make a difference and have an impact and make more money. And just like that, that desire that I've always had to just help and change more lives and have this impact and also create, you know, wealth and financial success for my family too. Then I started having lots of children. So now I'll say it's, it's challenging. Like it's definitely challenging. Our main platform is Instagram. We also have a Facebook group that's about like almost 3000 people that we've been growing since 2019, like for a very long time. And then we kind of are on TikTok a little bit, like we were, and then we're off. Maybe we're playing with it again. We're also really interested in LinkedIn. So this is new for us. I do have a full-time social media manager, Taylor, who's amazing. You'll find her in the DMs. She's incredible. And she partners with me to help me work on the content. So she's actually coming over later this afternoon. So she comes over once a week in my house (laughs) and we sit down with all of our ideas and then we create our reels together and she takes them home and she's the one who will do um, the write-ups on them and the words on them and the 
this, I don't know, the sounds. Like, again, I, I've become a grandma in this because I can, because I've grown a business, because I've, I make more money now that I can have someone full time on my team doing this, which is just so, I'm just so grateful for it. But it allows me to, again, step into that like visionary role, Andrea, where I can be like, what do the people need? And like, what are they saying? And what are they challenged with? And then Taylor can also get in the ground on the main floor and like kind of talk in the DMs and see what the challenges are. We come together, we make these ideas. And so LinkedIn is something that we're really excited about too. And we want to get into more. There's the screaming. I apologize. But um, what we did, Andre, was we were we test a lot of stuff. We play with new stuff. And when Taylor was first hired about a year ago, we did some of like the dancing. Oh my God. Which is like just so awkward for me. And I like dancing. Like if you invite me to a party or a club, I'm going to have a drink and I'm going to have a dance. But yeah. Uh, is it my vibe? I don't know. But I just know that like we played with it. We tried some different things. Some things we think are really funny. Like we'll do anything Shit's Creek and I'm all about it. And I think it's hilarious and it makes me, I laugh at my own jokes. So some of the funny stuff we can do, the dancing a little less. But what we found, Andrea, is in Taylor looking at all the insights and the reporting is that when I talk, like when I just say, you know, today we're going to talk about the different models of programs and which one's best for your practice. Like when I do a little... 90 second chat about something, those do the best and those get the most views and the most stuff, all the, all the stuff, you know, all the stuff with it. Um, the last one we did that we just did that last month was how this, you know, how the health, how the school system failed you or how university failed you as a health professional. And that was the hottest one. And so now we're running a little bit of traffic behind it, which is a whole new game we're playing. But that's what we found. And that's what we're doing. And Taylor's always looking at that and saying, like, this topic did really well. What if we played with a different angle on it? Or we literally did it again, but talked about it in a different way, or we got a case study or. And so we're also really trying to, and you're the expert at this probably way, way more than I, but like reuse content where we're like, so many people miss it. And so many people need to hear it four or five times. So what are the things that we want to keep talking about? So we do have some content pillars. We do talk about like a couple of specific things. We also sprinkle in the mom stuff. So my four-year-old with his like big curly hair is it, those reels do the best. If you want to use your dog or your child, I heard this once, I think Amy Porterfield talked about this, like your dog or your child like does the best on social. Um, but sometimes Dave's just home and then he's like, well, yes, you can be in the video, but those do the best. Uh, and so, yeah, so we just play around with it. And then, like I said, Taylor's here to help me. And then we most often have a call to action. We're driving you somewhere. So if you like this, what's the next step? And that might be a free workshop we're running or a video or a download or even just messaging us to get on a call if you want to talk more about working with us. So that's kind of our, our main plan, the LinkedIn and the like the other stuff just isn't as much of a priority. It's not getting as much attention. And I wouldn't say we have as much success on it. I will also say that it, it has been really slow for our growth. Um, and we are like 40 people away from 5,000. And I know Taylor's like, <laughs> and listen, I know you're not supposed to get excited about the numbers and the vanity metrics or whatever, but like, it's been slow growth over here. So we, you know, that's challenging. So we have some challenges, but we just keep showing up, you know. Oh, I've also been going live a couple times a week um, to see how that might resonate with my community and my audience. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Ooh, okay. We just did a series on the podcast about hiring. Mm-hmm. So I want to start there with some follow-up questions because I know a lot of people listening don't like social media. This is something that is happening a lot, especially the more complex it gets. I love that you say you're a granny. I remember specifically the moment I downloaded TikTok and logged on and immediately turned it off. I was like, ooh, no, I cannot deal with this. Now, this is my career path, so I muscled yep. through it. Now, I love it. But I felt that. I was like, oh, I feel my age. This is yeah. too abrasive for me. <laughs> um, so I know a lot of people are looking to get support in hiring. Um, talk to me about like finding a full-time social media manager. What was that process like for you? Yeah. Okay. So first we had someone doing it part-time. So my first hire was a marketing manager and the marketing manager did social media and landing pages and emails and live events and like all the things. And then as we made more money, we were like, okay, Mandy, (laughs) you've been relieved of all the things. And then we were able to hire Taylor. Taylor is incredible. She is right out of school. So that did allow me to provide her a like a lower salary than someone who like full time can be eighty, a hundred thousand dollars a year. It can be sixty. It can be like there's so many options there. So with Taylor, we loved her. We loved her personality. We made her do a TikTok. You we were like, make a TikTok and send it to us. And she did it and she was funny and great. And we were like, okay. You know, she was straight out of school. And so there's a little bit of learning there for her. And we're always learning. Um and now she's been with us for a year. And so she's just you know, if you can find, so first of all, full time, I know is a challenge for a lot of people, but you want to really do some math around it. And I had a coach who coached the crap out of me when I hired full time because I had lots of contractors and all kinds of things. And so like, it was very scary for me. So if you are sweating because we're talking about full time hires, which I don't, maybe you're not, but I was, um, had a coach make me do it basically, which thank goodness, because that's what's grown our company is we have full-time staff here and they show up differently and they care differently. And Taylor like works in the evenings and on weekends and she's developing herself as a marketing professional. And I appreciate that in her. And she's just like a good, a good, we have a book here with all my kids called the good egg. She's just a good egg. She's just a good seed. She's just a good human. So we're very lucky with her. So that ambition and drive and excitement for the profession and for the work that you do is incredibly important when you hire someone. That's my experience. Not just the role. Like I want to be a social media manager. I want to be a coach. Like they have to really be excited about developing themselves as a human and learning and failing and trying again. So, but it was like math, right? Like if you're doing, you know, 200 or 250K and you want to get to half a million or wherever you're at, like you got to kind of do the mathematical profitability of the person you're hiring. And marketing and sales is an incredible place to put your money. I mean, you can comment on this, but in my experience, I hire coaches to help with the clientele and the program delivery, but it's because I need them, but it's harder to generate profit really and like calculate that. They're more of a cost to the business. But when you hire someone who's literally like getting you leads or making you sales or, you know, bringing people into the DM and like nurturing and connecting, you're making money. So you can actually ca- calculate the profitability, whether you're hiring an agency, a contractor, or a full-time or part-time person. So those are the things that I learned from my coach. And that's why I hired in sales. That was like my second hire. And then we hired in marketing. And now Taylor does actually a lot of selling, social selling and connections and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that you started with the end in mind too, with like, this is what I need. And then you got coached on like, you actually need a full-time person. 
uh, because it is it is such a pivotal role in companies. And yes, starting out with, you know, a part time person, an agency, that's great. And then as your business grows, you may need to hire a full time staff, which is wonderful. One of the things you also talked about was metrics of success. So talk to me about how you decide if social media is working for you. What are some of the numbers that you look at regularly to see like, yep, hard question. This is working. <laughs> hard question. Um, yes, we call those the KPIs. We talk about them all the time on our Monday morning meeting. Uh, the team gets together. We talk about our KPIs for the week before. What's interesting there's, is there's lots of numbers to look at. And I'm a math girl. Like I love math and I was good at math, but the numbers still, they still give me a little anxiety. So if you're looking at the numbers, you're like, oh God, they're important. And I make all my clients look at them and all my mastermind clients. I'm like, this who cares if you're not measuring? Like what, why even try? So for social media, we're specifically looking at resources provided. Okay. So first of all, like um, probably like new follows, but not really new follows and maybe we should more, but more so it's number of people in conversation. So number of direct messages sent, because that's where we can take people from watchers you know, just scrollers to like, I'm actually interested in learning about this. And that for me takes someone from, now remember I used to run a digestive brand. I had an email list of 10,000 people. I like was very successful in that role. And I, I experienced this in a different way, but I experienced this. I think you're knowing where I'm going with this, like this load of people that are just watchers. They're just scrollers. They just want your free recipes, your free exercises, your tips. They're going to go try it. They'll never buy anything, which is fine totally fine. Listen to the podcast, hang on Instagram, totally fine. But in regards to the business making money, it matters how many people actually contact us. So number of people who are responding in direct message on a weekly basis, number of people who've been provided a resource. So a podcast to listen to, a video to watch, or have been invited to our next you know, live free event, because that's the conversion, right? The, the conversion goes from thousands of people watching your stuff to hundreds of people saying, yes, I want to take the next step and learn something. So those are the main numbers that we're looking at. Um, we also have another person in the DMs, like a full-time person who's having conversations with people, just getting to know them if we're a good fit to help them with anything, providing them with free resources and moving them to the next step, which is opting in or attending a, an event with us. So that's the main stuff in social media numbers. Did I get it right? Did I miss it? Yeah, any? that's so powerful. And <laughs> I love the the switch away from followers to conversations. Um, I mean, that's honestly the magic of social media is like you can literally talk to anyone in the world at any time. <laughs> um, and it's not like, you know, radio ad or a billboard where you kind of have to wait for people to reach out to you. You don't know how many people are looking at it. So I think that's a very powerful thing. Um, in the DMs, this is, I'm, I'm getting super specific here, but in the DMs, are they communicating as if they are you or no. do you, they sign their own name or? Yeah, I'm not yeah. a, like, okay. and, and no judgment and you do Ed ever feels good to you, but like, it didn't feel good to me for people to be in the DM and be me. It just, it didn't feel good to me. Some people it does and they like learn your voice and they're in the DMs and it's wonderful and I'm okay with that. But for me, I was like, it's okay to have people on my team. It's okay to have someone else's name communicating with you. I think that that's great for our professional organization. Like that's completely fine. So we have both of them signing either Taylor you'll talk to or Valeria in the DMs. Yeah. Oh, I like that. And I, I like that you're showing that you have a team as well. I think there is that 
that's one of those success signals that, you know, indicates, you know, you're not always going to talk to Stephanie. Um, There's a team of professionals here that can really help you. Okay, my last question is one that we get a lot, which is about, especially as an online educator, it's about how we show up online. Like what is free versus paid content? And especially with your business model, you know, you talked about, you know, teaching in Instagram reels, you have your free live events every single month. And Mm -hmm. then that leads people into your various programs. So how do you decide what's free and what's paid? Yes. So what I so at the leverage practice, we teach clients how to develop their online program and then how to like launch it and market it out in the world. Now, I don't teach social media. I will not be your Instagram coach. Nope, I will not. (laughs) There's other people for that, like the owner of this podcast. But for me, that's not my my space. But we do help you with the free like workshop, like the free live event, which could be a webinar or a multi-series, that kind of thing. I help them with that that opt-in kind of phase of it that moves into the sales process. And so what I teach, and this is the same, whether you're doing a free class or you're, well, to me, it is pretty close social or whatever is it's the beginning. So it's the stuff where your people are, where your ideal clients are, right? If you have a 12 step process, you're not giving people all 12 steps on social media. You're not giving, or, or you're free anything. You're not giving them all the steps. Why would they ever buy your stuff? You're just a volunteer, which is fine if that's what you want to have as a business. Probably not a business, probably a volunteer organization. But really think about where people are right now and they're at the beginning, especially the people who like want to work with you, right? So I, on social media, we have some content pillars and we're talking about the early things. So we talk about for us things like, where does an online program fit in your practice? What do you do if you're insurance-based? You know, how do you incorporate one-to-ones with a group program? What are the different models of group programs? How do you just get the idea out of your head? Uh, pricing, like what would I charge for that? And like those kinds of beginning things, like that's what we do. And when we teach our clients, it's really about those beginning things of the journey as well. So that's how we try to go about it. We also have some buckets of content. Like one is like about staff, you know, it's like that kind of personal bucket. We want to show that side of the human behind the brand. And then one is more like the content part of it. And then um, another one would be more about like the product, right? So we are sprinkling and all of that, but I will share just as we're talking about this, I'm, I'm someone who really grew a public platform in Canada. So if you're American, we don't know me. But like in Canada, I was on our one of like two national TV shows or like three of them. I had this book. Uh, Every dietitian knew me because I ran all these conferences and I was on the stages and I, you know, I, I, that was it. And so what's really interesting is I had that and that was my dream and my goal. And after I had babies, I didn't want it anymore. So I'm much more of a private person now than I was 10 years ago. And so I want to share this because many of you may feel like I do where I don't want to show you everything. I don't want to be in a bathrobe. I don't want to like, I don't want you to see me without makeup. Although maybe if I'm on a walk with some sunglasses, you might see me. Like, I just, I don't want you to see when I'm having like a shitty day. I don't know if I can say that on the podcast, but like, I don't, I don't, it's just, it's not for everybody. Okay. And I think we all um, have a level of privacy. Some people want to show their kids, some don't. But you need to trust the person behind the brand. You do need to get to know them. You do need to see me wave my hands around and talk too fast and be like, she's not for me or she's for me. Like I've had people email me and be like, I will never work with you 
you talk too fast. And I was like, mm, you probably could have kept that to yourself, but <laughs> like, like, thank you. Uh, when, what I can't, I can't, I mean, I could try, I mean, I'm pretty good, right? I'm not that fast. So these are the things. And I know for a fact that people will come and get to know you and leave and that's okay. And people will come to you. And one of my clients recently said, I knew you were the person for me. Like you were my person. And I was like, oh, <laughs> goosebumps, like, yay. <laughs> and so there is a level of people getting to know you and trust you, right? A level that you want to show. And that's a spectrum. And for me, I do like showing a little bit about my family and my cutie pie kids, but I don't share a lot of like personal stuff. It might be like more about like being a mom and a CEO or like talking about how today is the most ridiculous day. And I actually haven't done stories for a couple of days and I'm probably going to go and be like, geez, like I haven't been here for a couple of days because we're going to Florida on Friday and my kids have parent teacher night and we have a new puppy and it's just freaking crazy here. And um, I think that's okay for me. Like that's my level, Andrea, to share like it's challenging to own a business and be ambitious and be you know, working on stuff and then also have thousands of children and a puppy and like a life. So that's the side that I love sharing. And I'm, I'm that I feel like really helps people. And so that's my level. You know what I mean? Yeah. My share from. I, I like that you mentioned kind of the transition of life as well. Um, I honestly went through something similar where I put a lot of my life online. I met my husband on YouTube. We like documented our entire honeymoon. Um, I- that was eight years ago. And now I don't even post pictures of him. Honestly, like we just aren't those people. I was looking for like a selfie to post for my birthday recently. And I had to scroll back two months to like find one. Um, it's just, it's not the way that I show up anymore. And I'm okay with that. Like I don't, I don't want to be that person, but I, I, I love the evolution and we can always change our minds. Like I'm probably going to change my mind again in the future. Yeah. So I like that. And then Mm -hmm. I love what you said, too, about like the types of content you share. There's so much intention around, you know, you're you're sharing your personality because if they don't like what they see in a reel, they're not going to like the program. Right. Because that's the same delivery method. Um, Or if they don't like how you talk about, you know, having a million kids and they may not resonate with the way that you show up, which actually streamlines your business so that you can you know, do all of the lifey things. So I really like that there's this really intentionality behind the content that you share. And it's, I think there's such a powerful um, strategy there. And are you going to try anything new in the, in the new year, in the next year? I don't know, whatever Taylor tells me to do, I guess we're going to (laughs) do, but I think like LinkedIn is our back, our next thing of just producing like I I listen to Gary V once in a while and I let him yep. just yell at me through the through the podcast. Yep. Just once in a while I'm like I need Gary V to just yell at me for 30 minutes. So, you know, Gary's all about like tons of content and so I'm just listening to him talk about LinkedIn. So, I definitely would like, you know, right now I believe under I would do about like six reels a week, like just one a day. But for LinkedIn, I would really like us to give it a good shot of posting like twice a day on LinkedIn. I'd really love to see if we can do that. Um, also just test no video content because there's not a lot of video content on LinkedIn. So I've heard like s- some people maybe m- might not like it, but other people are like, you got that's going to be Facebook in three years. So like, I think it'd be great for us to be recording video and using video on LinkedIn. I'd love to do it. Like see if we can handle like twice a day and just see if we can be leveraging LinkedIn to make more connections and bring more people who are looking for us you know, for me, it's not about convincing anyone or selling anyone. It's about like, there are people out there looking for you and you need to be louder (laughs) and have more visibility. 
and show them who you are. And so that that does that count? But like that's what yes, that's what I'd like to do. Um, yeah. I was I I wasn't going live for a while, and the two lives a week is new for us. Just the last month, so we're playing around with that as well. Um, and then we also run free live events, and we run those in our Facebook group, but. I've gone back and forth about this. I don't know if you run these like kind of five days or anything like that. Do you do yep. those? Yeah. So yeah. Um, we'll probably play right back around with pop-up groups versus the main group, which is just kind of a different way to like come into a room with people and house people. So those are just, maybe that's boring, but like those are the, the new things I'm trying. And then what, you know, whatever Taylor tells me, we have to try. No, it's not boring. We're huge fans of LinkedIn over here. In fact, Intent, we'll be doing our LinkedIn challenge in January. We do every oh, yeah. year. This will be our fourth or fifth year i do, saw I you do that i messaged yeah. you i was like this is so cool i love it <laughs> forgot. i'm sorry yeah yeah no no we're a huge fan of linkedin twice a day feels like a lot but that's totally gary v style and it's doable if you have the team right like that that's when you ramp up so absolutely love that so i'm gonna be i'm gonna be watching and waiting for your linkedin strategy i'm gonna look oh, out gosh. for it i love that Steph, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know you have a gift for our audience all about kind of the different models that they can approach when they're moving from one to one to more leveraged practice. So tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So one, one of honestly the hottest reels that we put out was when we started talking about the models that we've developed here at the Leverage Practice. So, so often people are like, of course, you know, or like put videos on the internet. But online programs are beautiful little snowflakes. Each one's a little bit different. And we have four proven models we've built over the 10 years and with our clients that are fantastic for health professionals. Now, if you're a health professional, you're going to eat this up. If you're not a health professional, but you are a service-based provider, you're still going to love the models and you're welcome to come and, and opt in and, and watch the videos. It's an 18-minute video. I go through our four proven models and it's basically showing you how to put together things like one-to-one and groups and memberships and office hours and Facebook group and like all the pieces into these four different models, depending on your goals. If you want to have like a small group environment or you want to help thousands of people. So um, yeah, so people love it and it is available for you to to go to and watch. We'll put the link in the show notes, onlinedrea.com slash 228. I think it's the leveragepractice.com slash models, but y'all can go to the show notes and just click the link there. It's supposed to be easy for me, but we have a few things going on. And remember, I have a thousand children. So uh, thank you for that. It's just forward slash models. But yeah, come check it out. It'd be really helpful for you if you're thinking about, you're curious, or you've been, you know, a lot of people have been thinking about it for months or years and they just haven't done it. So you would really love it. Yay. Check that out. Goodness, goodness all around. And make sure you follow Steph at The Leverage Practice on Instagram and everywhere else on social media. Yeah. We also have a podcast. So if you're a big podcast listener, we're just The Leverage Practice Podcast. And you can hear a little bit more about me chatting about, you know, these kinds of things, online programs and how to do them. Yay. Awesome. Love that. We'll put that link in the show notes as well. Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was great. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And thanks, everyone, for, for letting me into your earbuds. Yay. Thank you, dear listener. If you liked today's episode, head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave us a five-star review. It helps out the show, keeps us in the top 100 marketing podcasts. All thanks to you, dear listener. Next week, I'm talking about a new social app. Have y'all heard this one? It's called Be Real. I have a lot of mixed feelings. We'll be talking about it. I did a test so that you don't have to. So tune in next week to hear whether this app, this brand new social app is for your business. I'll see you then. Bye for now.